The Gospel reading for today comes from the 16th chapter of Matthew, beginning at the 21st verse. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. Truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Word of God, word of life. You may be seated. You will find squiggles on every page of the Spark Bible. Now, let me introduce you to squiggles. A little chameleon, or maybe he's a lizard, who has found his way into every illustration in this children's Bible. What a cool way for kids and adults to interact with the Bible as a reminder that we are part of these stories too. I always notice though, during Holy Week, that Squiggles is nowhere to be found on the cross when Jesus dies. Here in this illustration, the cross stands alone with this background of night. Nothing is left but the cross. I went back to what we have been about this summer, and we have heard stories of Jesus' teaching and ministry, of healing and feeding and gathering and calling, Jesus just recently walking on water with the disciples as they move now to the other side of the lake, interacting with people who are new. And now Jesus is making his way to Jerusalem, always interacting with crowds and individuals and teaching as he goes. In fact, just last week, Disciple Peter affirmed Jesus as the one, the weighted Messiah, and Jesus appointed Peter as the rock to lead the church, to follow Jesus, and to build the church. And then in the next breath, taking the next step, Jesus tells Peter and those around what God's chosen one will do 
suffer and die and rise again. And confident I am ready to lead Peter, now cowers seemingly paralyzed when Jesus says, the one, the anointed one, called by God to rule and save, will actually die. So here we are, ready to embark on the fall, not talking about growth or the next thing, but landing on the page of the Spark Bible with nothing left but the cross. And so every time we hear this story, I think, how are we supposed to do this? What does it mean to take up our cross and follow Jesus? Clearly, the cross is even the center point of our worship space. What does this cross mean? Death, yes. Suffering, yes. And it is also a sign of what the empires of power of this world will do to those who don't follow the expected way. Pontius Pilate was ready to let Jesus go, but it was the crowd, raw human power, coerced to believe that what someone has done is just worth eliminating them. The death on the cross so public and humiliating. The death so slow and painful. No one is left at the cross because no one expects a savior to suffer and die. And although we won't find squiggles or any of the rest of us there, we will always find God. And this cross is the center of our Christian faith. If there's anything that a church should do, it is to proclaim that God suffers and dies. And it is from that place of death where God promises to create new life. Jesus says early on in the Gospel of Matthew, the blessedness of God is not for us when we are privileged and life is going well. Actually, we are blessed when we mourn, when we're poor in spirit, meek, when we hunger and thirst for righteousness, when we are pure in heart, the peacemakers, when we are persecuted for the, for the sake of righteousness, and when we are reviled and persecuted and uttered all kinds of evil against us falsely on the account of Jesus. So what are we to do? Whenever I lose something, my dad's voice comes back in my head, Beth, where is the last place you had what you were looking for? And so my mind would go back to when I last saw my tap shoes or my notebook, or my keys, or my wallet, or whatever I had misplaced that day. In our Lutheran faith, we believe God is always found when the word is spoken at the font at baptism and in Holy Communion. Even when we don't feel like anything has changed, in these places, we receive God's living spirit 
God's promise is spoken again and made true. There is nothing that can separate us from God. And God is accomplishing more than we can imagine. We are forgiven, fed, and renewed even in our doubts, questions, and disappointments. So if there's anything to do when we feel disconnected, it is to come back. Come back to worship, to hear the word, to receive the bread and wine, and to be reminded of the promise God made to you when you were baptized. And when you come, just like today, you don't come alone. Someone else showed up too because they need this reminder as well. As a church, we are not a social club, a place that requires a membership card, but we are called to be community. We are not called to be the same. We are called by God to find a place and to connect with other people who are finding a place. And our commonality is a faith to believe that God is still up to something in this world and we get to do it together. We collect our gifts and our treasures, our hopes and our prayers to create a place to worship in community and to offer a way to show up in the world, to proclaim the cross and to proclaim that from that place of death, resurrection will be found. Jesus does not leave us in this life alone but gives us the spirit to gather community and to be a force of mercy and love in the world. And this force, which is us and so many others, is far from perfect, but it is there in the imperfect, just as we are, that God shows up to forgive, to feed, and empower us to follow Jesus once again and to act in the world to share that message in very human ways. The Apostle Paul says, for as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. And so that is what we do. We come as we are, we dwell in these stories, that speak of human and divine. I can't believe anyone who says a life of faith is easy or glorious. It's hard, and it's hard to figure out. But today, by simply showing up and opening our hands to receive what God gives us, then we live, then we take the next step. I met with Mark and Roy and Greg and Scott and Jim, people among us who tend to the cemetery and chapel. And we figured out that combined they hold 140 years of caring for the place where Mount Olivet's story began. We walked through the cemetery reading the names and the dates of fellow members of Mount Olivet most I have never met, 
but some I have known and dearly miss. Fifty years from now, others will walk the cemetery and they may read our names, not knowing the specifics of our stories, but mindful of the call that we had like them to be a church centered on the cross. Trying in our world of human things to trust in the divine things. The two are always enmeshed, and that is the wonder and the promise that God chooses human things to reveal the divine. We don't have to do it. We get to do this. So come as you are today. With all your questions, your doubts, your disappointments, things yet to be figured out, And we come as a community called by the Spirit to follow the one who promises to be with us, even to the cross, to forgive, to feed, and call us to follow, day by day, inch by inch. Amen.